Hey, Tim, how's it going? Hey, it's going great, man. Uh, you know, I'm just enjoying this uh, wintry northern Alberta weather and got my trusty puppy dog here beside me podcasting side Your by podcasting side. Podcasting partner. Yeah. You know. So you're going to give me an update on what's going on with Alberta's healthcare because I have not been following it. Yeah, and it, you know this is—it's it, interesting because it, it what's happening in Alberta, the debate that's going on around healthcare is the one that goes on around everywhere about healthcare. Uh, so right now, you know, we have this new government in Alberta, the United Conservative Party, uh, which is the conservative right-wing government. Uh, previous to that, we had Rachel Notley in the NDP, which is a very left-wing kind of socialist party. And of, of course, under Notley's government's health spending and healthcare budget increased year over year. And now this year, uh, the, the bud budget has just been released and Alberta Health Services has issued a notice that uh, there will likely be uh, layoffs coming up over the next three years, 500 FTEs, um, full-time equivalencies, which equates to about 750 people being laid off because various, because people don't all work full FTEs. There's some part-time workers and stuff like that that'll be affected by mm -hmm. this. And and so, of course, now everyone, all the unions are are raising their voices loudly against this and and we're hearing all this propaganda and rhetoric about how kenny and the ucp is cutting health care right how they're they're made a promise not to cut health spending and not to do this and they're breaking that promise well um that's not quite true uh it turns out that kenny is actually increasing the health health spending by one percent so not quite as much as the ndp increased it but he's increasing it nonetheless which is you know not necessarily news i want to hear um, yeah. as a taxpayer but at, at the same time um you know wh what's going on here why are they laying off these nurses if they there's if they're actually increasing the health spending and <clears throat> when you get into the meat of the budget what it, it turns out that they're just that they're decreasing uh, the line item called acute care, which is where a lot of these nurses are going to be laid off from, but they're increasing a, dramatically another line item called community care or something like that. So we, what the union's telling you, yeah, we're, we're going to lose 750 people, but they're not telling you is that there's likely going to be over a thousand positions created in this other area, right? right. So that doesn't serve the union narrative very well. Um, but again, and, you know, the, the, the rhetoric is all about, well, they're privatizing. Kenny's privatizing everything. And, again, th this pisses me off because it's not privatizing to say uh, we're going to direct government funds to a private company and we're going to contract them to exclusively provide those services in this area, right? Um, which is yeah. what everyone says when they're privatized, right? And, and you and I, of course, we want free market healthcare. We want, we don't think right. the government has any place in healthcare whatsoever. The government is force; it is violence, and that has that ought not be mixed with healthcare. You don't yeah. like it, it is illegal for me as a paramedic to sell my services to any anyone other than the government. I can't yeah. sell my services to patients. I can't, you know, I can sell them to a select few corporations out in industry and a few other places, 
I can't start my own business and start selling my services. I can't start an Uber ambulance service and fill in all the healthcare gaps that are out there. So don't tell me that we're privatizing things. Uh, we're, we're creating, we're moving from a more socialist system to maybe a more fascistic system, but it's still completely under government control and the funds are from government and the taxpayer pays for it. And I'm still have, I still have no freedom as a paramedic to, to have a relationship with the patient. I, my relationship, you know, you know what my job is when I work on the ambulance, it's not to treat patients, it's to produce paperwork for the government. That's my job. The patients get in the way of me doing my job, you know, (laughs) it's, uh, anyways, What's the reaction been generally then from the population? Because even 750 jobs doesn't seem like a lot to me. Like, why do I care that 750 jobs are being lost? Especially you're saying that there's likely going to be a thousand, even if that's not in the narrative. Does the, is the, is healthcare just such a sensitive topic? Like, how dare you fire nurses and our sacred like profession or? Well, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, the, the problem is that, um, you don't question government-run healthcare in Canada. Period. Mm. Not even conservatives question it. They, we are, are like Soviet Russia. You know, there's that that old joke in Soviet Russia. There's two women standing in line five hours to get their stale loaf of bread, and one lady says, "Man, this line is taking forever, and all we get is a stale loaf of bread." The other lady looks at her and says, "How dare you? Do you know that in capitalist countries, the, the government doesn't even provide bread? Be thankful, yeah. right?" And meanwhile, in capitalist countries, we got bread waiting for people on a whole assortment of any kind of bread you could want. Yeah. Uh, but gluten's the enemy, so no. Anyways, <laughs> uh, uh, but but that that's the thing, right? Like the Soviets were immersed in this paradigm that just how could how in the hell is capitalism gonna supply? There, there's no central planner figuring out how many shoes to produce. How how does the free market know? There's no yeah. one in charge, right? And they they can't figure that out. And and in that in the same way, uh, Canadians and Albertans can't figure out how healthcare could ever be provided in a free market. And so we are completely immersed in this paradigm where government is responsible for healthcare. Now you couple that with the fact that we are waiting forever to see a physician. We're waiting in line at emerge. You know when when we have a problem, like things are stretched to the max. Healthcare workers are stretched to the max because. There, there's more, far more demand than there is resources. That's the first law of economics, and we're on the front lines, and we're feeling it. Um, and so now you're telling me you're going to cut that, and you're going to stretch the right. resources even thinner. So my line, so all I'm thinking is lineups are going to get longer. Uh, I'm going to be have more, be more overwhelmed at work, and you know, like things are getting worse. Right? That it's very easy to see why right. people would buy into that narrative. And there's some truth to that. Like when you are completely dependent on government, yeah, I mean, maybe can't the Kenny government isn't spending enough if, if, you know, if that's the only way we're going to get healthcare, right? And there's so no other options. In the given context, is it bad for the average Albertan? Like, should they be mad about this? Because it's not like he's even proposing a movement. I mean, I don't know his, internal workings but it wouldn't just i wouldn't assume that he's interested in moving towards privatizing healthcare or partially privatizing it so if like what is the approach that someone like him should take yeah well uh, that's a good question just have to grow 
Well, I, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, like putting myself in his shoes, what are you going to do? Right. That like you, you cannot, uh, legalize healthcare. In other words, you can't say, okay, Tim and all you healthcare practitioners have at it, like feel free to sell your services on the market. Um, if he does that, we, we don't get our health transfer from the federal government. So we're saying no to, to billions of dollars that left this province to begin with via vis-a-vis the income tax. And now the government is holding hostage they saying, listen, we'll give you some of this money back, but only if you uh, prohibit healthcare in your province and only yeah. allow the government to provide healthcare. Right. So, so, okay. What are you going to do in that situation, right. David? It's a hostage taking and you know, they're, they're like, are, are you going to stand up to the government and say, no, we're going to have a free market to hell with your, money or are you going to say look we've got people dying and waiting in line right now we need that money and it's going to take like it's difficult right so i i I don't think what kenny's doing is necessarily unreasonable he's trying to find some latitude within the system so if you read the uh, blue ribbon panel report on alberta finances a lot of this stuff was laid out in there and in fact it was laid out in the ucp platform where they talk about expanding the scope of paramedics and nurse practitioners in other mm-hmm. words, and, and this McKinnon report talks about moving away from a 20th century healthcare model to a 21st century, which is like moving away from physician controlled and in hospital to decentralize it out into the communities and and um, treat people in place and not have these big inefficient hospitals where it just creates a bottleneck, a choke point for people all looking for yeah. health services, right? Now, this fits in line with what I'm doing right now. I'm working on a project for community paramedics in my county and we're trying to get around all the healthcare and bureaucratic obstacles to allow our guys that already work here already providing service to do things in a different way where we we instead of responding when a person person's having an emergency we get ahead of that when it's an urgent care matter before it ever becomes an emergency and help people live healthier lives and keep them out of the hospitals. How right? dare you? <laughs> right. Well, and, and, but I mean, you know, th- there's all sorts of reasons and legitimate reasons why uh, it's difficult to get a program like this going in yeah. the framework of government health care, right? Because, right. you know, if you're thinking about how to allocate all the resources and you have to think about the whole province, you can't just think about our little county, Right. And in fact, it's a pain in the ass when the county wants to do its own thing and use those funds its way. But you see how those funds could be used differently in more effective ways, maybe across the province. And yeah. you have the whole picture. Right. So if you're if I put myself in the healthcare bureau- bureaucrats mind, um, well, <clears throat> what they're doing makes complete sense. So everywhere up and down, everything is making sense. But I, I think what the Kenny government is doing is a step towards giving communities a little bit more control, providing alternate Mm -hmm. pathways and saying, okay, you know, maybe we don't have to use highly paid union members to wash linens and do cafeteria service. Maybe we don't need highly paid union members doing inter-facility transfers with the ambulance. Um, maybe, Maybe we can part those out for cheaper. And so, okay, what Kenny's doing, I think is gonna produce more healthcare for the same dollar, let's say. Um, so it, it's a marginal improvement that way. But I also s- say that with a great deal of worry because I have a daughter who would likely get laid off if this happened because she does primarily inter-facility transfers and has got a good union-paying job working directly for the government. I have a wife who's an RN who is worried about um, 
all the RNs getting laid off, um, you know, and, and I work essentially for municipal government, right? So, you mm -hmm. know, not uh, like it's not ideal when your livelihood is contingent on, on the government and there's no free market pathway for you to go down if they Either, lay you right? off. So, so I see, I kind of see both mm -hmm. sides of, of this thing, you know, uh, from a personal perspective, like, yeah, keep pouring the healthcare dollars on it. But, but from a systems perspective and what I hope for the future, but like that, that's not sustainable, right? It's not sustainable. So even from a personal perspective, I would rather feel some personal pain now and have a more sane and sustainable system than I would want this bloated bureaucracy that will eventually collapse under its own weight. It has to. It has to. And then where are we going to be at? Then we're totally screwed, right? So let's make start making some uh, trend. But but ultimately what we need is the Health Canada Act to go away and the income tax to go away. If those two things went away, then you would see health care uh, on supercharged. You would see all sorts of things emerge and all sorts of options for living a longer, healthier life emerge, I think, in Alberta. What's the first step of getting anyone actually to start thinking about that and understand that? Because like you said, healthcare is a god in Canada. Yeah, well, I think, again, it, it comes, I think we have to be radical about it, right? I, I've been advocating more and more for a radical approach. And by that, I mean, a principled um, approach, right? So, you know, Rothbard wrote this this essay called Do You Hate the State, which I recommend people read. And he's mm -hmm. basically um, arguing against, uh, so he's an anarcho-capitalist, but, you know, then there's David Friedman, the, the son of Milton Friedman, who is also an anarcho-capitalist. But in this article, Rothbard is criticizing David Friedman's anarcho-capitalism, saying he got there the wrong way, right? He's saying that because there's, anarcho-capitalism has better outcomes than government, we should go with anarcho-capitalism. Right. And Rothbard's saying, no, you, you got to hate the state. I mean, the state is evil. That That's yeah. the wrong thing. I would, he said, give me a principled objectivist minarchist over this conservative anarchist. Utilitarian he, argument. Right, right. And, and so it's, it's the way I equate it is, um, you know, the way a lot of people argue for free markets and for against the current regime is like uh, an abolitionist who says, well, you know, slavery isn't as efficient as the marketplace um, and things will probably be, will, will tend to be better without slavery. And so we ought to abolish slavery, right? Whereas right. I'm saying, no, I don't care about that. So I don't care if slavery is more efficient or, or, or the market's more efficient or not. Even if it were more efficient, we should still end slavery. Like slavery is wrong. So we have to come back to this principled argument of you don't point guns at people and demand health care from them. You don't tell health care providers how, what they can and can't do with their skills and their services. Mm. Um, you just don't. You can't use violence for this. And what are the, and, and then you can talk about, okay, what are the negative unintended consequences of using all this violence in healthcare? Well, then right. there are all these practical ideas. So we can hit them from both and, angles, but you have to start with the principle and the ethics and the morality and the radical point. You can't just talk about outcomes and ignore the, the, the stark immorality of pointing guns at people and demanding they provide you healthcare and demand and pointing guns at a paramedic, someone who signed up to save lives and saying what I can and can't do with those skills. Fuck yeah. you, no. frankly. Fuck <laughs> you. 
No, I definitely agree with that. And I'm very much on the principled approach. But I think so many people are completely blind to the fact that there are inefficiencies because it's the system they're a part of. Right. And right. it's all they see. And so I was just talking with someone yesterday about this, about in Ontario now. I don't know if it's the same in Alberta. If you have multiple issues, you have to make multiple appointments with your doctor because the central government with their insurance says this is how much a doctor's appointment costs. Yep. And so it doesn't matter if it actually costs more or less. And so the doctor will lose money out right. of their own pocket if they treat too much in one appointment. So now you have to make yeah. multiple appointments. My yeah. uh, Someone in my family, there's no doctors in their town. And so their option when they had a sick kid was to either drive 45 minutes with a sick child or go to the hospital. And so you're having just for like a sickness, people clogging up the hospital and all of those resources. Mm -hmm. and, and in addition to all of the wait times, and like there's so if you really just look at the way the system is working under the government programs, it's not good, but it's just people think it's all they right. know. And at least it's free, even though <laughs> it's not free. Right. Yeah. They're, they're paying for it or they're being robbed to pay for it. And so I do think the principled approach is super important. But it's also important to highlight the problems generally. And I would also yeah. encourage anyone we've done. A, we did a whole episode just talking about healthcare generally as well. Yeah. And I mean, that that story of one one complaint at a time at the doctor's office accords with what I experienced in Fort McMurray. You know, it took me three months to get an appointment with my family doctor because the wait lines were so clogged up. Yeah. Uh, I went in there with this, you know, because I was exploring the field of biohacking and I wanted uh, to, to get, I had a very clear plan. I want to get a blood test a week for the next six weeks to see how my body was reacting to this change in diet and, and in this low inflammatory regime I was going on and mm -hmm. ketogenic at the same time. And I wanted to just monitor myself, see how my body was reacting to it. And I wanted all the data possible to deal with this. And I also, wanted to experiment with the nootropic. So I had this whole thing about how to get this nootropic from family doctor. I had this plan in place. So I went into the doctor and <laughs> finally, after three months, I'm at the gatekeeper and I'm like, yeah. okay, here's what I want to do, blah, blah, blah. Right. And he's like, no, you only need one of those blood tests a year. Um, you had one six months ago. Uh, you know, I'll prescribe one now for you, but that's all you're getting from me. And, and I'm like, I, I like, I was just, flabbergasted. I'm like, I, I, I'm trying to get my healthcare under control. You, you have the opportunity here to help me. He's like, listen, this is how it works here. You come in here with a complaint and I tell you how to fix it. Okay. And that's, that's how it works. You know, yeah. I'm not here to like basically tell me I'm not here to support your health. I'm here to fix your problems. Right. Right. And, and I'm like, okay, well, how about, uh, this, that also this just nootropic shows... thing. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, you came in here. I only treat one complaint at a time. If you have another issue you want to see me about, you can right. make another appointment. So I'm waiting for another three months to see him about that. So then I go to the lab and because I'm pissed off. I'm like, screw this guy. Like, I, I, I want to see what's in my blood. So I went yeah. to the lab and said, hey, can I just buy a blood test? Can I just get and they're like, no, no, you have to get a doctor's order for that. So it's illegal for me to see what's in my own damn blood. Right? right. I can't get control over my own health care. So I'm completely dependent on the state and their stupid uh, when employees. That's the, to, that's the thing. It's not just the system they provide. It's the system they disallow or they make illegal. Right. 
right? And that's what you said. We need to legalize healthcare because exactly. you can't go get your own. And I also want to highlight how skewed the system becomes because my general doc, my general practitioner, I go in and tell him whatever I want and he'll issue the things. Like if I said I right. need six months of weekly blood tests, he's just yeah. like, okay, because that's yeah. his style and he knows that we're like working on it together and and that sort of thing. So then I also just, I have a completely different access because the doctor is the gatekeeper and it's yeah. just about how they navigate that system. And I mean, we don't have to go on and on about the, how broken healthcare is, but it's even, um, I've had doctors encourage more tests because they would then get me to come back in for the results yeah. and get another billable. And because sure. like, and I literally, you, I make an appointment, I'm there for one minute to get them to say, here's the test result. And then, but they get a full billable, which is, you know, $80 or whatever. Whereas if I went in and I actually sat there for 20 minutes complaining, mm -hmm. Then they don't make as much money so it's like the incentive structure is just completely bogus and it, and it makes the system weak and and bad frankly right yeah i mean all ideally what you would want is an incentive structure where um it's related to your health care right where it's right. related to your health right not how many tests they order it's about keeping you out you know the, the i think the best way to do that would be to do it through something like an insurance company or something like that, where the insurance mm -hmm. company says, listen, we'll pay you, uh, we'll pay you very well if you can keep your, healthy. your patients out of, um, like healthy, if you can keep them healthy, because that's going to save us money in the yeah. long run. Right. So, uh, let's do a lot of work on prevention. Let's do a lot of work on, uh, right. how to actually improve health, not just, fix uh, not just and uh treat diseases or or symptoms let's actually I had, sorry yeah no i was just, just let's improve health because that's what i'm interested in i'm not just interested in not having diseases in, i'm interested right. in being the best version of myself and and i actually found a clinic here that that i can pay luckily there's some of these places that are available um that that like a longevity clinic that that does like comprehensive blood panels and and you know, he's very involved in like with supplements and different things that, and, and he checks how my body's reacting to it. And so that's fantastic. But those things are kind of few and far between. Um, right. Yeah. And I think especially with like the physiotherapy, osteo, osteopathy, uh, naturopathic doctors, massage therapy, like there's so many ways to improve your general wellness that then limit your later hold on the, you know, tradition, traditional healthcare stuff. Like I literally had, I had like an issue with my left ankle for a year and a half, as well as general numbness on the entire left side of my body. And the doctors and the hospitals could not help me at all. They had no idea why. And then I went to see physio and I went to see massage and acupuncture and they helped me get rid of this. And it, and it was, I mean, significantly cheaper than the healthcare I used. I went and got MRIs and all this stuff, and they had no uh, no insight at all. And it was hugely expensive to the taxpayer. But I went to a right. physio and an acupuncturist, and they're like, "Oh, this is probably what it is. Here's the treatment plan. Let's do it." But luckily, I had like workplace insurance. But that was a cheaper solution that actually helped me. But isn't covered by the general like system that you would go to first because right. that's the triage. The triage is the GP. The GP doesn't know about these medicine, these alternative therapies and all of this stuff, right? So it's, I mean, the the, le the levels of just 
drudgery is is much deeper than the average person i think realizes yeah and and you know of course physicians have a stranglehold over healthcare because uh, you know, the College of Physicians and Surgeons is given uh, a monopoly on regulating um, re regulating their practice, right? And so what they say is this is restricted. These things are restricted only to physicians. And, and mm -hmm. so the legislation gives them all this power to um, to go after people and punish people that stray into, the, into those and areas. It's almost rightfully so because their livelihood depends on it too right they're sure. limited in what they can do so they're saying well we can do we want to do as much as possible because we're, we're not going to be able to earn the rates we want so we need to be able to do as much as we can and that's just what happens when government gets into any yep. industry any industry right yeah they create a monopoly and they, and they also put a chokehold on how many physicians can graduate every year right so they mm -hmm. keep the numbers uh lower than a market might otherwise provide and and uh, you know that raises their price right like if in Cuba, uh, it's completely socialist, but you can, you know, anyone can become a physician and they get nothing because there's so many of them, uh, you know, they make yeah. about the same as a janitor. I mean, yeah. that would be great in a marketplace if uh, there were so many physicians and people trained that the cost was as low uh, as it would be to hire a house cleaner or something like that. Yeah. So what, what should Albertans do? Given all of our context we've given them and given what's going on, what is the approach to healthcare generally but also what's going on right now with these you know the union being mad these potential job losses yeah i, I mean it's uh <laughs> well what should albertans do they should look for for um healthcare where they can get it right and they should recognize that government isn't the only place you can get healthcare. there's more and more private options you, you can go out of country and get cheap uh surgery for example uh the oklahoma surgery center for example is run by a libertarian uh surgeon who has gotten rid of um like it's cash only basically so there's no insurance that he's he's gotten rid of any all the bureaucracy involved with canada or, or america's fascistic healthcare model where it's all uh hmos and insurance companies and stuff like that and said look just pay me cash we'll do your surgery and they're in some cases like 10 times cheaper than you would pay for otherwise you get mm -hmm. to skip the wait lines you don't have to wait you know the the two years or whatever it is for some surgeries in canada and you can get it done for relatively cheap you know your health is important uh pay the money get it done what what we can do in alberta uh, you know i i don't know i mean like it requires a radical change to the whole system um, to get the kind of results I would like to see. In the meantime, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily mind what the UCP is doing in terms of like we could at least decentralize, right? Like yeah. the, the way we used to, healthcare used to be run was it was more municipal or regionally based rather than this one big monolithic central planner. And I think that's good. It gives us more choices. There's more employers. There's more. There's more options for patients. More options for like employees to work. Healthcare for. credits, right? Like where if sure. you pay income tax, we'll give you it back, and you have to use it in your community on healthcare, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, I mean, something almost like a school voucher system would be better, right? Where right. your healthcare dollars follow you to wherever you go, and then we open up options that way. Now, that would be better. Uh, but, you know, even even like my own field of EMS, I would prefer we go back to the days when the municipality was in charge of 
EMS. That was their responsibility. Uh, you would get you you had very different EMS systems neighboring each other and everywhere, right? And it was almost like a competition to see who could be better and who could attract more employees. And you know, mm. some were better than others, and some were terrible. And you know, uh, but but at least we didn't have a lot of the problems we're seeing now with code reds where there's no ambulances available where we're waiting in hospital hallways. You know, if we were waiting for more than half an hour, our supervisor was on the phone to the charge nurse saying, Hey, we got to get our guys back to our community to cover, uh, get that patient off their hands. Right. Whereas mm -hmm. now, because we're just another part of the overall healthcare system, the nurses look at us quite often as, um, hallway nurses and and yeah. and, in, and in fact it's to the point where some paramedics say look if i ever have if i'm ever having a heart attack i'm coming in in my own vehicle because i know i'll get seen by a physician a lot faster than if i go by ambulance because if they come in by ambulance everyone just assumes the patient's being looked after they're getting the care which is true but we're not getting the definitive care as quickly right, right that way so um so, so all these are, are pro so a lot of these problems could be solved by decentralizing control, and that's certainly within um, the political realm of possibility. And so we should embrace that, and we shouldn't buy into the the obviously biased union rhetoric of uh, Kenny's ruining healthcare. And you know, I, from my perspective, he's making some marginal improvements, and I think we're going to be better off as a result. You know, Alberta Alberta spends more. Uh, than most provinces per capita in healthcare, and our health outcomes aren't any better. In fact, in some cases, they're worse. And so, obviously, we could spend that money more efficiently. So, I, I guess that that would be better. But uh, you know, ultimately, I want a whole revamp of the system. I want to be able to sell my services. I want to start yeah. an Uber ambulance service. I think it would do great. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, uh, thanks for informing me about this. I, I didn't even know what was going on, so I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you, David. And for anyone who's listening, if you enjoyed that and like our perspectives on things, definitely check us out on YouTube, um, follow us on Facebook, and this is Hard On Liberty. You betcha, Hard On.